We're continuing our podcast on the responsibility of Christians to be involved in the voting process, the electoral process. And uh, last week we talked about the fact that one, the biggest point of all that we can remember is that one, God is in control. And that two, our trust should not be in princes or men or the sons of men. Our trust should be in him. He is the one who is called. He's the one who's given himself the responsibility of clothing the naked, feeding the hungry, um, giving justice to the un- to those who are, who have been you know unjustly incarcerated by our human perspectives, he's the one who's res- who's laid all those responsibilities on himself. How much simpler would our worldview be if we would just trust in God for those things and not in humanity? So we're going to continue our lesson this week, and now we're going to talk about electing, you know, our participation, our responsibility to, to participate in the, in the electoral process and to cast our vote. There is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, does not cry, mine. This is not a square inch, the new podcast of Hope Prison Ministries. The goal is to help you see all of life through the lens of Scripture. To learn more, please visit us at notasquareinch.org. Well, thank you for joining us again. Uh, you know, last week again, we talked about um, not putting our trust to, we should put our trust in God and we should not put our trust in men. And this week we are going to talk about our responsibilities in the Scripture. You know, um, there isn't like a specific verse that says, thou shalt vote in the U.S. elections. But all of Scripture was given to us, uh, ultimately, one, to point us to Christ and our responsibility to trust in Him, which we focused on heavily last week. But then also, our Scripture is to teach us how to love our neighbor, how to love each other, how to live our lives in this fallen, broken world. That is another purpose of Scripture. And God has given us tremendous volumes on the way our laws should be modeled, the way our society should be modeled, the way it would work if this was a perfect world. You know, people are always saying, well, yeah, that would be nice if this was a perfect world. Well, how does it get to be a perfect world unless we help pass laws that make it more in line with Scripture? It's never going to be perfect, and we're never going to be able to trust in princes. We're never going to be able to trust in big government. We ultimately are going to put our trust in God, and we're going to put our trust in His decisions as to the outcomes of those things, right? The lot is cast in the lap, but it's every decision is from the Lord. We're going to put our trust in God, and we're going to put our trust in His decisions and His outcomes, but we're going to do everything we can. One of the mentors that I had in the, in in ministry, not so much the faith, but in the ministry aspect of it, the business side of things, he said, Chandler, we do not put our trust in uh, we do not put our trust in actions. We put our trust in the results from the Lord. So we need to do everything we can, in other words, but we're going to put our trust in God for the outcome. And this falls so in line with my favorite catch-all verse. You've heard me say it before, possibly. You'll hear me say it again. Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to God, but the things which are revealed to us and to our children that we should live and do them. So the secret things, the outcome belongs to God. Who wins, who rules, how it, how our government works, all these different things. Those things are ultimately in the hands of God, but we are supposed to do everything we can to bring those things in line with the Word of God. That's part of what we talked about taking every thought captive and bringing it 
subject to the obedience of Christ in the scriptures. That's part of what we're supposed to do as Christians. Take every thought captive, which includes voting on a particular issue or not voting, voting for or against somebody. All of those things are our responsibility as living in this community. And so what we want to do is we want to look at, well, when when the scripture, you know, there's certainly no better example of how something should be run than, of course, the Garden of Eden. That was like the perfect society. But then second to that, even within fallen men, even in a fallen sinful word world, <laughs> even in a fallen sinful world, what did government look like or what did people do? when they were ruled by God and not just by men. And so if we look then in the scripture, we're going to see a pattern of things here. First verse I'm going to look at is Exodus chapter 18. And the passage under consideration is verses 17 through 26. Uh, The passage under consideration is verses 17 through 26. But uh, we may stop short. Let's just see where we begin here. Okay, verse 17, Exodus chapter 18, verse 17. Now Moses, of course, you know, was he was the leader of the people. This is not a Bible verse. This is me. Moses was the leader of the people, but he was having a hard time. There are a lot of people, a lot of issues, and he needed some people to help. And so Jethro, his father-in-law, says this to him in verse 17. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, the thing that you do is not good. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out, for this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Wow. Man, listen. <laughs> Whew, this is a this is an encouragement to our political leaders. If you're a political leader and you're listening to this podcast right now, I want you to hear what God says to you. If you try to fix all the problems yourself, you ain't going to make it, bro. <laughs> you're not going to make it. You're not going to be able to last. It will wear you out. And let me you know what? This isn't just this is like a general leadership rule. Uh, if you're the head of a ministry, if you're the head of a ministry, and you are, you know, trying to do everything and fix everything and run everything. Let me tell you from firsthand experience, as someone who has not always been obedient to this passage of scripture, you will wear yourself out. You will wear your family out. Your family will be worn out. It will not be good for you. You are not to do this alone. One of my favorite expressions, political leader, you're not to do it alone. Uh, church leader, godly leader, pastor, missionary, you know, look, friend who has somebody who's mixed up and lost and can't be, can't seem to help him get right. You're not to do this alone. One of my favorite chapter titles in a book, Sex is Not the Problem, Lust is, there's a chapter title that says, Lone Rangers are Dead Rangers. Lone Rangers are Dead Rangers. And that is so true. You know, if you think back to the days of the Lone Ranger, now I'm dating myself, I know. But if you think, and of course, I wasn't even alive when it was actually originally being aired, I don't believe. (laughs) But um, if you think back to the Lone Ranger, you know, the only time Tonto ever got his butt kicked was when he went to town alone. Same thing for the Lone Ranger. The only time the Lone Ranger ever got captured was when he went to town alone. And pretty much every single episode was one going to town alone and the other having to rescue the other from the people who had taken him captive. And when did they win? When they both fought together together. This is just wisdom in scripture. If you try to do things alone, if the government tries to fix all of its problems on its own, if the leaders of government try to be everything to everyone and solve all the problems, it will wear itself out. Wow. 
Okay, so that's just one verse. Whew. Okay, so for this thing is too much for you, you are not able to perform it by yourself. Now, verse 19, listen now, listen now to my voice. And let me say that again, listen now to my voice. And I know I'm not crazy about my voice, but hey, the scripture says, listen now to my voice, God's voice, of course. I will give you counsel and God will be with you. Stand before God for the people so that you may bring the difficulties to God. You shall teach them the statutes and the laws and show them the way in which they must work and the work they must do. Moreover, you shall select from all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, um, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens, and let them judge the people at all times. Then it will be that every great matter they shall bring to you, but every small matter they can judge themselves. They themselves shall judge. So it will be easier for you, for they will bear the burden with you. If you do this thing and God so commands you, then you will be able to endure and all the people will also go to their place in peace. So Moses heeded the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. And Moses chose able men out of all Israel and made them heads over all the people, rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. So they judged the people at all times. The hard cases they brought to Moses, but they judged every small case themselves. Then Moses let the father-in-law depart, and he went away to his own land. Wow. Listen, I'm not a political commentator, and uh, and I'm not a, a political science major, and I'm not a uh, super scholar, but just reading through these things, I can just see so much that applies to today. Don't you love God's word? Don't you think that, you know, there are people who say God's word isn't relevant today? They just haven't read the scripture. If they would just read the passage I just read, wow, um, it's talking about appointing judges. Go figure. And it's suggesting that uh, that the role of appointing, of appointing judges belongs to the leader of the land. Hmm. Uh, the current leader of the land. Hmm. And so uh, it says that if, if we do these things, if we appoint these leaders, then things are going to go well. But uh, And it's going to make it easier on the primary leader of the land. Um, but, you know, and of course, the Bible in somewhat says the windshield catches all the bugs because it says, hey, the big issues are still going to come to you. The buck stops with you. But, hey, the smaller issues, the things that maybe aren't as significant, of course, the Supreme Court has some pretty big issues that it handles. Uh, but, you know, those things are going to be taken before the Supreme Court. But ultimately, if they can't be decided, then they'll come before and they'll rest in the, the leader of the land. Our government isn't set up exactly that way, but it's not far from it. But nonetheless, it's this particular passage, I think, speaks to uh, the process of electing leaders. It says, pick out people who are of good moral character, pick out people who are able to lead, who are able to follow God's law and do the right thing. And of course, this falls to the president electing. But let's go look at Deuteronomy uh, I should say the president. This falls to Moses, the biblical leader, uh, but it certainly can fall to our president, too. It says that, hey, Trump, uh, well, current president or a past president, future president, whatever, presidents have the responsibilities of picking leaders when they're in office. And certainly that is supported by Scripture. Imagine that. Um, and it tells what kind of leaders they should appoint. We can debate whether a current leader is doing that or not. That's beside the point. The point is that leaders are uh, part of being a leader is to appoint others to help you. Uh, Zig Ziglar, 
used to say, one of a man's greatest strengths is to know his weaknesses and to delegate accordingly. Amen. One of a man's greatest strengths is to know his weaknesses and to delegate accordingly. So with that in mind, let's uh, take a quick break. HopePrisonMinistries.org Hope Prison Ministries mentors those at risk of, during, and after incarceration. To learn more, please visit HopePrisonMinistries.org. Okay, so now we're going to look at uh, Deuteronomy chapter 1, and this is going to specifically speak to the people. Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 9. And I spoke to you at that time saying, I alone am not able to bear you. Could you post that on your Facebook? <laughs> I know there are lots of people I could post that on their face, my Facebook about, and I know there are a lot of people who could post that on their Facebook about me. Uh, just ask my wife. My wife uh, would tell you, she alone is not able to bear me. <laughs> and there are times when I would say, I alone am not able to bear her, which is why we need Christ, the Savior, and the Holy Spirit. Amen? We're about to celebrate 20 years of marriage next year. Um, and the only way that's been possible is that we learned early on, we alone are not able to bear each other. But with Christ, we've made it 20 years and we're going to make it 20 more, right? And, you know, to the people of the guys of Hope Prison Ministries, I alone, not able to bear you. And hey, sometimes you alone are not able to bear me. But with Christ and with the Holy Spirit, we're going to make it. So I alone am not able to bear you. The Lord your God has multiplied you, and here you are today as the stars of heaven in multitude. You're a lot of people. <laughs> Pastors of mega churches, no way, man. <laughs> You're a lot of people. May the Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times more numerous than you are and bless you as he has promised you. Wow. So Moses is saying, You're already a lot of people. I can't stand you, but I want the Lord to give you more. <laughs> Talk about a selfless leader, right? That's kind of a selfless leader. Like, hey, you know, I, can, I had a hard time when I had three or four in our ministry. Now we have 12, and we can house up to 17, and of course, there are countless more that I mentor in prison, uh, but I'd like more. Yeah, more problems. Okay, so, but how are we going to deal with this? How should I deal with this as a leader? Well, guess what Moses says to the people? Now he says to you, the people, choose wise, understanding, and knowledgeable men from among your tribes, and I will make them heads over you. Okay, And you answered me and said, the thing which you've told us to do is good. So I took the heads of your tribes, wise and knowledgeable men, and I made them heads over you, leaders of thousands, leaders of hundreds, leaders of fifties, leaders of tens, and officers of your tribes. So he even instituted the police force. So uh, defunding the police, uh, the police force was in, uh, instituted by God in the scripture under the divine leadership of Moses as he was led by God. Then I commanded your judges at that time, saying, Hear the cases between your brethren, and judge righteously between a man and his brother, or a stranger who is with him. You shall not show partiality in judgment. You shall hear the small as well as the great. You shall not be afraid in any man's presence, for the judgment is God's. Okay, so right away, now we had in Exodus chapter 1, we had God saying, hey, it's the responsibility of the leader to elect leaders. But then now we have the leader himself saying, it's your responsibility, the people's responsibility to elect good leaders. And you said it is good. Now, this is 
I think this is a very important refrain that we need to talk about for a second. So in Genesis, when God created everything, it was often followed by the refrain, and it was good. It was good. Creation was good. Now Moses is saying to the people, I want you to elect leaders, and you're going, hey, it's good. So why wouldn't you participate in that process? Electing leaders from among you your share in that process is good. It's declared by God in the scripture through his people to be good. When you say you shouldn't vote, that is bad. You need to participate in the process. This is part of being the people of God. You have the tremendous privilege given by God to you to vote, to elect leaders from among your people. And this country, which was founded on countless biblical ideals and countless biblical models. And you know, as I just go through this and I'm looking at the Old Testament, and I'm reading these really cool passages, you can start to see where the founding fathers got their ideas from. You think? (laughs) Many of these founding fathers were godly churchmen. Most of them were godly churchmen. At least, at at the bare minimum, people of faith. And it's clear to see that many of the ideas of our government were drawn from the Scripture. I mean, in Exodus 1, we almost outlined the process of judges and Supreme Court judges and God himself and the leader of the land electing those people. And then now we're looking at the election of the people, of leaders from among the people, and that is being entrusted to the people by God in a in what would be the most perfect society when it is led by God, directed by God, God himself appoints a leader and that leader appoints people and then the people appoint the people who run them. This is a very godly thing. Why wouldn't you do that? You have got to be part of this process. Get involved. I'm not going to tell you how to vote. I can't do that. I think anybody who listens to me long enough will know what I believe and how someone should vote. But I'm not going to say that. But what I am going to say to you is get involved. Get off your duff and vote. This is your responsibility as a part in the Christian and political process. You are to vote. I just don't know. I mean, the scripture just makes it so clear that that was the responsibility of the people. And, you know, it's the same thing today. We are not in a theocracy. I get it. But in a, a, even in a theocracy run by the God of the Scripture, which would be the most perfect society, God entrusted through the leaders, voting leaders into office. And so why, if it was that way in that society, would we not want it to be this way in this society? And why would we not, as Christians, seek to do the same thing, to enact godly leaders, to elect godly leaders who would 
judge and rule as best they can, fallen men, sinful men, women to be sure, but elect people who are able to make wise, godly decisions. Why wouldn't we do that? Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 14 through 20, and then we're going to take another break. Let's look at these verses, Deuteronomy chapter 17, verses 14 through 20. When you come to the land which the Lord your God has given you and possess it and dwell in it and say, I will set a king over me like all the nations that are around me, you shall surely set a king over you. Take the word king out, think president. You shall surely set a king over you. Now, I know it's totally different forms of government. I'm not stupid, but I'm just saying it's talking about the chief leader of the land in our country. That is the president. You will set a king over you whom the Lord your God chooses, one from among your brethren. You shall set a king over you. You may not set a foreigner over you who is not your brother. But he shall not multiply horses for himself, nor cause the people to return to Egypt to multiply horses. For the Lord has said to you, you shall not return that way again. Neither shall he multiply wives for himself, lest his heart turn away, nor shall he greatly multiply silver and gold for himself. It shall be when he sits on the throne of his kingdom that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book from the one before the priests and the Levites, and it shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life, that he may learn to fear the Lord his God and be careful to observe all the words of the law. Now, this is in a theocracy, I get it, but in the society that God first set up, which was a theocracy, he said there's going to be a leader and his responsibility is to follow his law. And that is true for our leaders today. If we want a just and peaceful society, we want leaders who, as best they can, follow God's law, whose party follows God's law as best it can in a fallen world. Listen, no party's perfect. No person is perfect. No platform is perfect. Why? Because they're made up of sinners. <laughs> okay, Sinners are not going to be perfect. That's why we need a savior. That's why we don't put our trust in princes. We put our trust in the savior. But insofar as a party and a person represents uh, the biblical ideals on the issues, I can't recommend to you a party, but I can absolutely say to you categorically beyond the shadow of a doubt that abortion is murder, that gay marriage is LGBTQ, blah, 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 community is wrong. God has declared these things. Now, listen, I'm not a hate monger. I'm not a hater. I don't hate these people. These people are sinners just like you and me. And I have some pretty horrible sins in my own past. And they're public knowledge in many ways. So I'm not, I am not in any way hating on these people. But God, who is our creator, and who knows what's best for us has said this lifestyle is wrong and this one is right. God has decided that, not me. So I'm going to vote for a party that's going to best reflect the ideals that God has for this society. I'm going to vote for a party, a leader who's going to best reflect those ideals. Not perfectly, not absolutely, not even close, not even close, but as close as I can get. That's who I'm going to vote for. Now, there are those who say, well, I won't vote at all. Yeah, I don't think so. We're going to talk about that when we come back from the break. Um, there are those who say, well, I'm going to vote for a party because I can't believe the bigger parties. Well, listen, if you vote for a smaller party who does not have a chance of winning the election, all you've done is take votes from the candidate who can win the election. 
So I just think it's common sense. If you're called to vote, if you're commanded to vote, you should vote, and you should vote for the party who best represents Scripture, who has the best chance of winning. Otherwise, your vote is just wasted. So we're going to look at some other Scriptures in just a minute, but let's take a quick break. InmateMentors.com Help us help your loved one. We write letters, send books, accept collect calls, help those incarcerated plan and prepare for release, and create parole packages. To learn more, please visit InmateMentors.com Okay, so, you know, from the very beginning, the first podcast, we focused on talking about the fact that God is in control and that we should not put our trust in princes, right? And then recently, we've been talking about the election process and how important it is and how God actually commanded our participation in that process in the Old Testament. And, you know, you might say, well, that was then, this is now, this is not a theocracy, brother. We do not have Moses on our head, and God is not blah, 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 and on and on and on. Well, let me tell you what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22, verses 15 through 21. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. See, they're trying to trap Jesus. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true, and teach the way of God in truth, nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus uh, perceived their wickedness. Duh. Talking to, you know, Savior, Creator, anyway. And said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the tax money. Okay, can't resist it, right, Jerry Maguire, Cuba Gooding? Show me the money. Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius, and he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? And they said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they had heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. Yeah, shut up. (laughs) So, should you pay taxes? Uh, Yeah, you should, because you live in this society. You're supposed to pay taxes. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Render to God the things that are God's. Now, that just talks about the taxation process and paying taxes and all of that. But I think there's a bigger picture there. It's just really the whole civil process, right? We live in a fallen society and sinful men. This was more of an example of what a fallen society looks like. This is not a theocracy. This is Rome. This is, you know, the Greek society, uh, Greco-Roman society. And so here are these Hebrews living in this fallen sinful world, fallen sinful society, not no longer a theocracy. And they, tra- they try to approach Jesus and they try to trap him and they say, yo, Jesus, uh, we, and they start out with all these flattering words, right? Which the enemy always does. Listen, if somebody flatters you too much, that's like a red flag for me. If somebody's like, oh, Chandler, you know, you're just the best and blah, 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 blah. I'm like, yeah, what do you want? Shut up. And the Old Testament, the disciples were exactly, in the New Testament, the disciples were exactly the same way. You know, there was one lady who she was chasing. These people are from God. Listen to them. And Peter, like, I think it was Peter, turns around and like casts the devil out of this woman. So if somebody's just like constantly flattering you, showering you with flatter and blah, 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 that can be a red flag. Now, listen, you should compliment those who deserve compliments. You should give honor where honor is due. Um, you should, you know, not muzzle the ox that treads out the corn. We should pay those, blah, 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 all that stuff. But when somebody's just kind of going over the top, 
it's kind of a red flag. And that's what these Pharisees are doing. They're like, because he knows full well. I mean, he's not stupid. Jesus, Jesus, man. And he's like, hey, look, appreciate what you're saying, but whose picture's on that? Show me the money, right? Show me the picture on the money. He says, that's Caesar. So you know what? Give Caesar what Caesar's. Well, in the same way, the election process, all of these things, the civil society, we should render our responsibilities to the people we're under. We should do that. We should we should obey those whose authority is over us. Now, lest you think that I'm just like way out of line here, it's not the only passage. There's a much clearer passage, even a passage that I would call a passage of full mention with regard to biblical government, with regard to our view biblical view of government and that is as you probably know if you know the scripture romans chapter 13 so what happens when we turn over to romans chapter 13 let every soul be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from god well okay yeah trump he's not from yeah no for there is no authority well obama nope for there is no authority except from God. And the authorities that exist are appointed by God, Republicans or Democrats. Remember the lots cast in a lap? It's every decision is from the Lord. But hey, just because your party wins doesn't mean God approves, okay? Except with regard to the Cowboys. When they win, we know God approves. Anyway, okay, so let every soul be subject to the governing authorities for there's no authority except from God and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Now, listen, if you resist the authority that's in this land, rioters, looters, <laughs> if you resist the authority that's in this land, you will bring judgment on yourselves. Hello? Don't be a rioter. Don't be a looter. Obey the law of the land. For rulers are not a terror to those who do good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same, for he is God's minister for your good. But if you do evil, be afraid. Be very afraid. Be it if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. Therefore, you must subject, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, but also for conscience sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes. Oh, look there. There's a verse about taxes. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Render, therefore, to all their due taxes, to whom taxes are due, customs to to custom, fear to fear, honor to whom honor is due. And own, the conclusion is, verse 8, own no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments are, you know, you know the commandments, but owe no man anything except what? Except the love of Jesus. That's the ultimate law. But he makes it clear that we're to honor those in authority, we're to participate in the process, we're to render to Caesar what is Caesar's, we're to give honor where honor is due. This is all part of a Christian's responsibility of living in a sinful, fallen, broken world. We are to vote. We are to be a part of the process. We're to do everything we can to bring society, to take every thought, ours, theirs, every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Listen to me, Christian, please listen to what I'm saying. Listen to what God's word is saying clearly. Don't listen to me. Listen to what God's word is saying. 
You are to be a part of this process. Get out and vote. Vote, vote, vote. Vote the Bible. Vote your conscience. But vote, vote, vote. Why? Why should you do that? Because you are commanded to be a light, right? Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, Jesus gave us the Great Commission. You think, what, what, whoa, whoa, whoa. I thought we were talking about politics and this has nothing to do with politics. Yes, it does. Jesus said, go into all the world and make disciples. How do you make disciples? Because you do everything you can to evangelize. You do everything you can to be part of the process that brings light into the darkness. You do everything you can to be light. Jesus, remember Jesus said, hey, you don't set, you don't have a light and set it under a a cover. No, you take the cover off and you let it light as much as it can. You let your light shine. You let your light shine. You let your light shine. The way you let your light shine is being part of the process, being a constructive, contributing part of the process, voting your conscience, voting, voting, voting your conscience, voting the word of God, voting the word of God, voting the word of God. Wow, how many times can I say this? I I just can't emphasize this enough. This is our responsibility. Why? Because evil triumphs when good men do nothing. Judges 21, 25, most of you will know it by heart, right? When there's no judge, people do what's right in their own eyes. When there's no righteous ruler, people do what's right in their own eyes. That's what happens. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 4 says, Therefore the law is powerless, justice never goes forth, the wicked surround the righteousness, perverse judgment proceeds. What does that really say? Evil triumphs when good men do nothing. (laughs) Listen, if you don't vote, then you can't curse. You know, there's the old expression, don't curse the darkness unless you're willing to light a candle. You've got to be part of the process. We want, we don't want wicked men ruling us. We don't want wicked men passing laws. Get out and vote. That's what you're commanded to do. Be a part of the process. Vote. It's your responsibility as a Christian. Evil triumphs when good men do nothing. Now, remember what we said early on in this podcast, right? Um, you know what? It, this is really important. There's a great guy who is a mentor to me and so many others. Just a tremendous, wonderful, godly man. And I was talking about ministry one day, and he said, Chandler, and I was like, well, I just believe that you know all these little things that are happening are God's sign that he's for me. And he said something very wise. He said, Chandler, don't ever take those signs as being necessarily signs of God's approval of you or your ministry, because the fact is God uses wicked men. God uses wicked nations all the time. His use of them and his triumph, his His allowing them to triumph over his, his people is not to be taken as his approval of those people because he says they're wicked. His His approval and allowing them to triumph is is actually just their his judgment against his people. So, Remember, just because your party wins, again, we talked about this earlier, doesn't mean that your party is God's party. Doesn't mean that your leader is God's leader. Um, we certainly hope and pray that our party wins, and we, we want to believe that, that good is going to triumph over evil and all of that. But what happens when they don't? What happens when our party doesn't win or the one that we think is good? Well, what does the Bible say we should do? 
uh, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. Therefore I exempt first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Listen, you're commanded to seek and pray for the peace of the city, the leaders of the city, you're commanded to pray for them. And it did not say if they hold to your particular view. It did not say if they were perfect men. It did not say if they were, it just says pray for the leaders because ultimately we want the peace of the city. Now you pray for those leaders that God gives them wisdom, that God directs their wisdom. Hey, the decision, the lot is cast in the lap. It's every decision is from the Lord. The heart of the king is in the hands, hand of the Lord, and he directs it whichever direction he wants it to go. So we, we pray that God will do just that in the lives and hearts of the, of the leaders, especially more so if they don't line up with what we believe the scripture teaches or what we know the scripture teaches. We pray for them even more. So should you be, you know, trying to do everything you can to elect leaders that are godly and line up with scripture? Absolutely. But when your party, uh, when that person that you believe does, doesn't get elected, should you be cursing them? Should you be speaking against them? Should you be doing all those things? You should be speaking out against the issues for sure, but you should not necessarily be attacking that individual. The Bible says, pray for your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. Bless those who curse you. This is what sets us apart. This is what makes us different. So we're to do those things. Right, We're to pray for those who are our leaders. We are not to be against those who are our leaders, right? Titus chapter 3, beginning at verse 1, Remind them to be subject to the rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. Wow. Remind them to be subject to rulers and authorities, to obey, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to be peaceable, gentle, showing all humility to all men. So we're to pray for those who are in authority over us. We're to be submissive to those who are in authority over us. And Paul is writing this to Christians living in a sinful fallen world with sinful fallen leaders, people who don't necessarily agree with their positions, people who don't, who are not professing Christians. And yet Paul says, hey, do what you can to protect the peace of the city. Pray for your leaders. Be ready to do good. What is, you know, one thing that I can take from that, be ready to do good, be ready to vote. Listen, do whatever you can. Be Listen, be quiet, be peaceable, pray. But when it comes your right to do something that you can do something about, like vote, vote. <laughs> Get out the vote. Okay, spend enough time on this. I've outlined all the scriptures. Would love to hear your comments. Please subscribe to our podcast. If you're not sure how to do that, go to notasquareinch.org. All the links are there. And would love to hear some, to see that you are listening and that you support what we're doing. Uh, please give online at hopeprisonministries.org. This is who sponsors this podcast, hopeprisonministries.org. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Not a Square Inch, the podcast of Hope Prison Ministries. Join us next time. To learn more, please visit us at notasquareinch.org.